Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We are in the, the series, The Names of God. The Names of God. We've kind of for the last two months been breaking down different names of God in the, throughout the scripture. We've talked about Jehovah Jireh. We've talked about Jehovah Shalom. we talk about Jehovah Ra. We could go on and on. We talked about all these names. I would encourage you, if you've not gotten to listen to the messages or you haven't been here, we're encouraging you, encourage you to go online and watch online. I'm telling you, this has been a great series. God's been speaking to me for sure. I hope he's been speaking to you. Um, and it's just been a great series. Well, today I want to talk to you from the title of the name Jehovah Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth. And you're probably like, what in the world is that? I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about. Jehovah Sabaoth, and this, this name right here means the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. And now you're probably wondering, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it. Uh, and, and all throughout the scripture, actually, believe it or not, this is one of the scriptures, of the, one of the names that is used the most, the Lord of hosts. Uh, if you have an NIV version in your Bible, it may say the Lord Almighty. Uh, it, so, but this, is the, the, this, this name is used over 300 times in the scripture, over 300 times. And so it's different than some of the other names where it's only used once or twice. This is used over 300 times. Well, today I want to talk to you from the text of 1 Samuel ch chapter 17, excuse me, in verse 45. It says, then David said to the Philistine, we all probably know this text. This is the story of David and Goliath. Then David said to the Philistine, a.k.a. Goliath, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He says, you come to me with a javelin, you come with me with a spear, you come with me with this stuff, but here's what I come with. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And so we're going to talk about this today. And many of you know the story of David and Goliath. We've probably learned it since we were children. People that don't even know God hear the story because it's just a good underdog story. Come on, somebody. Everybody always pulls for the underdog. Like if I'm, if I'm watching the fights and I don't know who they are, I'm like, who's, who's, the, who's, who's the one that's not supposed to win? Let's go. Let, get it. Go, go get them. You know what I'm saying? Everybody loves a good underdog story. And here's what's happening. And y'all know the scripture. David is with his father and Goliath is a giant who's over nine feet tall. And the scripture is saying that he is coming out and he's, he's taunting the Israelites. The Philistines, uh, if you don't know the kind of what would happen in the biblical times, you may have seen it uh, in movies where they would take their greatest fighter from each army and they would fight. The reason why they would do that is to save from the bloodshed of all their armies. They would have their best fighter and their best fighter. And whoever won that fight, the other, the other army would lose. They would surrender. They would give up. They'd become slaves to the other army. And so Goliath, nine feet tall, is giant. He's a warrior. He's been undefeated. He's taunting the Israelites saying, who are you going to send? Who are you going to send? Who are you going to send? And he does this for 40 days. The Bible says that the Israelite armies see him and they hear him and they're shaking. They're so, they're so afraid. They're, they're shaking in fear. The Bible says they run when they see him coming out. That's how afraid of him they are. Uh, and so what happens is David is with his father. And David goes and David uh, goes and feed, uh, brings food to his brothers. And the Bible says David hears Goliath talking. 
and David says, who is this guy? Who is this guy that's defying the Lord's army? Who is this guy talking all this trash? And so here's what happens. Saul, the king, hears that David's talking. For 40 days, he couldn't get any Israelite to even want to talk about or face Goliath. And so he hears this man, or this boy named Go- uh, David, not Goliath, this boy named David wants to, f- wants to know about Goliath. He calls him into his tent and David says, don't worry about it. I got it. I'll fight. And Saul looks at him. He's just a young boy. And Saul says, how could you do that? This man's a warrior and you're just a shepherd. And David says, no, no, you don't understand. I've been fighting bears and lions. I've been fighting. God's rescued me with them. I know he'll rescue me with Goliath. And so Saul says, sure, why not? I got nobody else. I don't want to be the one to fight him. Go ahead, you can fight him. Saul takes his own armor and gives it to David. Now, many of you probably know the scripture, David, uh, not David, Saul, the Bible says was head and shoulders of above everyone else. So Saul was also very tall. So Saul's giving him this armor and it, and it doesn't fit David. It's too big. It's too bulky. It'd be like one of y'all giving me your armor. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little small. Come on, somebody. That's not for you to laugh about, you haters. And so what happens is they, they, they puts the armor on. And he says, it doesn't fit. He said, I can't do this. He said, take this off. He takes it off. And so he, he doesn't go out like a normal warrior. He goes and he gets into a stream and he picks up five stones. Y'all know the story. And the Bible says he runs towards Goliath and Goliath starts to taunt him and curse him and make fun of him because he's just a boy with a, sh- a shepherd's staff. And the Bible says, this is where the picks up where it says, listen, David says, you're coming with all this stuff, but I had the Lord of hosts on my side. He says that he, he starts to sling his sling and bop, he slings, he hits Goliath right on the top of the head. You know what I'm saying? Bop, hits him on top of the head and one stone, the Bible says, sinks into Goliath's forehead and, and, the man, and the man falls. Goliath defeats, I mean, David defeats Goliath. Why? Because of a stone? No, because the Lord of hosts was on his side. And here's what's interesting. This is what the Lord was speaking to me about this week as I was talking about, as I was studying this. Goliath would be considered an unimaginable opponent. Goliath would be considered an unimaginable opponent. He's undefeated. He's large. There's no one bigger. There's no one stronger. I mean, he is just absolutely, I mean, he is, he's the one nobody wants to fight. He's the unimaginable opponent. And yet David says, it's not about me fighting this man. It's not about me taking on this man. It's me knowing who's on my side to take on this man. See, in order to fight the enemies in our lives, and I'm not talking about people. People are not our enemies, okay? A person of, oh, I'm just going to preach to you for a second. A person of a different color is not our enemy. A person from a different country is not our enemy. A person of a different belief is not our enemy. That's not our enemies. Our enemies are, are the enemy of our soul that tries to keep us from living out according to God's purpose and plan for our lives. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. I need, I need some help here. You know what I'm saying? And so here's what, here's what happens is he's facing this unimaginable, undefeated opponent. And all of us in this room, we probably have in the past and maybe are right now or we probably will in the future, we've faced unimaginable opponents. Unimaginable opponents, things like tragedy in our lives. There's people in this room or watching online. There's people that literally have lost someone close to them and their family that was gone before they should be gone or they've, been, they've died in a car accident. That's an unimaginable opponent. How do I handle this, this thing that I have to walk through called tragedy? Or maybe it's divorce. You've walked through a, a tragedy of a, a heartache in your divorce and, and you're like, how do I walk from this? Maybe you've been heartbroken and you're bitter in your life and bitterness is overtaking you. This unimaginable 
powerful opponent of how to remove bitterness from our lives. Maybe it's addiction where it's, we've struggled with addiction where we can't get free from it. It's this unimaginable opponent. Maybe it's infertility for those of you who have maybe been trying to have children and you can't. And that's how Ashley and I were. We were praying and praying and praying. And it's this unimaginable opponent. We all face unimaginable opponents. But the thing is, is if we face them in our own strength, we'll never win. David should never have defeated Goliath. Why? Because in his own strength, it was an impossibility. But the good thing is, the good news is, the God that we serve, nothing is impossible. He is the Lord of hosts. He is Lord Almighty. And this is what's cool about the Lord of hosts or Lord Almighty. Hosts mean this. It could be a multitude of things in the scripture. It's armies. He's the Lord of hosts, an army or a, a large gathering of an army. It means angels in, in, in the scripture. So he's Lord of angels. And it also means stars in the scripture. So it's, he's, he's Lord of stars, the, the universe. He's, he's, he's Lord of the earth. He's Lord of, of, the, of the angels. He's Lord of all. He's God almighty. He's God almighty, meaning this, he's mighty overall. See, oftentimes we can sing songs like, you are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm being funny here, but we can sing these songs and we cannot even realize what we're singing. What we're singing is this, is God, I understand that you are mighty over all things in my life. This opponent that I'm facing may seem so big. Oh, it seems so large and I don't know how I'm gonna handle it. But God, I know this. In my own strength, I can't. But you are Lord Almighty, mighty over all. And so I know I can face this opponent and know you got me. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. And David in this scripture is facing an unimaginable opponent. And I see some things David does to help him face this unimaginable opponent and have the Lord Almighty in his life. And so I want to give you a couple quick things. That was just my intro. Praise God. I hope you're here for a while. So um, i got a couple quick things that I want to give you on, on really what I see and how we face the unimaginable opponents in our lives. First in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 26, it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is it that is this guy that's defying the armies of the living God. He knew who, he, who they were and he knew who God was. And here's what I, I, I wrote down for our thought today as we're talking about facing unimaginable opponents with the Lord of hosts on our side. You have to remember this. First thing we should do, we should, without a question in our hearts, we should, we should focus on his reputation. If you wanna face, if you wanna uh, defeat the unimaginable opponent on your life, it starts with focusing our attention, our perspective on his reputation. See, if we focus on his reputation, this is what David did. David says, listen, he's the Lord Almighty. He saved us before. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the living God that we are his army. He saved us before, so I know his reputation is this. He'll save us again. Here's what's cool about David. David, just a chapter before this, is anointed king by Samuel. 
Samuel, the, the prophet, anoints him and says this. God has spoken and says, you will be the next king. Then, the, then you look over into, into 17, chapter 17 of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Here's what happens. Then he's facing Goliath. Could it be that David knew that God spoke to him and gave him a promise? And so because he gave him a promise, he knew, I can't be defeated. Why? Because I haven't seen the promise come to pass in my life. So now I know the opponents that I face, I know cannot come against me and cannot win. Why? Because I know God's reputation and that is this. That is if he promises it, he's going to do it. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So now the opponents that I face, I can stand strong and know he's got me. Why? Because I understand if he speaks the promise, I'm going to receive the promise. Know God's reputation in our lives. It's so important that we should focus on it. Know it. Listen, that's why it's so valuable that we've been going through these names of God. We've been going through the characteristics of who God is. Why? Not so we can just know some new words about who God is. No, it's so that we can know his character. We can know his nature. We can know his reputation. So now that when we face, here's what we can say. No, I know God's with me. Even though I don't feel him, I don't know what he is. I know he's Jehovah Shammah and I know he's there. So I know he's here. And so if he's here, I'm, I'm good. I know he's Jehovah Shalom. So even when I'm feeling all fearful and I'm feeling like I don't know what's happening, and I feel uncertain about life, he's Jehovah Shalom. I know he's God of peace. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills and I don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. I, don't, I know he's Jehovah Jireh. I know his reputation. He's never let his children go without. So here's what I know. Even though I don't see it, I know he's Jehovah Jireh. He's gonna provide for me. We have to know his character. And as we know his character, here's what happens. It helps us trust him more. See, the more I know him, the more I trust him. Oftentimes, knowledge will get in the way of us trusting him. And knowledge becomes a pride thing. And we start trusting ourselves more. And that's not the case of knowledge of knowing God. The heart of us knowing God is that we would know him more. Because if we know him more... We can trust him more. And if we can trust him more, we can stand up against the opponents of this world and say, I know God's got me. I'm not, I'm not going to be defeated. This depression is not going to defeat me. This lust is not going to defeat me. This tragedy is not going to defeat me. No, why? Because I understand who God is and I'm focusing on his reputation and not on the way that I feel in my life. It's so vital. Because I know this, we all in this room and online will face tragedies. We'll all in this room face unimaginable opponents at some point in our lives. And so here's what we do. We have to first focus on his reputation. This is what, this is what David did. Let's keep going. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32, it says, don't worry about this Philistine David told Saul. I'll go fight him. That guy was a little cocky. Come on, somebody. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told him. I'll fight him. An army of people, and nobody will face this man. A shepherd boy comes, and he says, I got it. I'm not going to let fear dictate the way I do things. I'll fight him. I believe this is as we face unimaginable opponents. We have to focus on his reputation, but then also we have to be willing to face our giants. We have to be willing to face our giants. They're all, they're all things in our lives, mountains or giants, whatever we want to call them in our lives that try to hinder us from walking out and living according to God's purpose and plan. 
And here's what's interesting. The Israelites were so afraid that they never would face them. In fact, they ignored it. Let me show it to you in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 11. It says, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They heard Saul, Goliath. This is the beginning of the story. They hear Goliath taunting them, and they're so afraid that they're shaking at, in their boots. They're so afraid that they, they, the Bible says that Saul was in his tent. He's not even out by the army. They're so afraid that they're ignoring the giant. Then if you go on a little further down the scripture in verse 24, it says, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Isn't it interesting? They start with being afraid and shaking, ignoring it. And to the point of where then it doesn't, they don't just stop it, it, it shaking. Then it gets to the point where they start running from him. See, this is, this is what happens when we don't face the things in our lives that are, uh, that are uh, against us, the opponents in our lives that are against us. We don't face the giants. Here's what happens. We can ignore them. We can sweep them under the rug. You know, you can hide it, kind of brush it out. But here's what happens. The more we brush things off and we just kind of hide things that are going on in our lives, it's going to keep coming back. And as it keeps coming back, here's what happens. If we don't face it, we don't deal with it. Here's what happens. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in our own minds. Then it becomes a bigger opponent and a bigger opponent and a bigger opponent to the point of where then we feel like this, we can't defeat this. So then when we feel like we can't defeat this, all we do and all we know what to do is to run. Just try to flee from it. Just try to run from it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please, 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 please. And that's not how it works. What, well, how it works is we have to say, no, I'm going to face this giant that I'm walking through. Why? Because I know God is on my side. It's so important. That we would, see, we would look and evaluate our hearts and our lives and say, okay, what are the giants that are keeping me? Because here's what I know. If you can't define the giant, you'll never defeat the giant. If you can't define the giant, if you're like, oh, no, I'm good. And, oh, no, the marriage is great. Oh, no, marriage is so good. Like, it's, it's kind of good. Like, uh, it's not that great, but it's all good. Like, it's, it's marriage. We'll figure it out. We'll work it. No, no, no. What are the giants that are hindering that marriage? What are the giants in your life? Oh, you know, I'm single and like, I'm just trying to figure out like, I'll change, it's my age. No, no, no. What is the giant that's keeping you from living out according to God's purpose and plan? Because if I can't define it, here's what happens. I just sweep it under the rug. You know what I'm saying? I'm a rug sweeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the guy like, ash isn't looking. I pull up the rug. I'm like, sweep it under. I don't want to have to clean it. Pull it back. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Next thing you know, you got a pile under the rug. What is that? You know what I'm saying? That's not me. I'm just kidding. I don't go that bad. That would be really nasty. Here's the question I would ask you today. What are the giants in your life? But then also, not only were the giants, here's the question I would ask you. Are you willing to face those giants? Maybe you've walked through a hurt in the past and there's unforgiveness and there's bitterness and even the thought of it is painful. Even the thought of it is just, it makes you frustrated or you get heated. You can kind of start to feel your blood boil a little bit. I want to encourage you, the more you just try to sweep that aside, the more that enemy is going to attack you in your life. And the more bitterness is going to grow in your life. And then it's going to get to a place where it consumes our lives. This is what ended up with happening with David. He was, his, his lifestyle was consuming them. They couldn't do anything. They were shaking. They were running from him. But David said this, no. I understand the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts is on my side. I'm going to face this giant. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the, the greatest thing it's ever. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to work through some, some things. I understand that. But I know he's on my side. And so I'm going to face it head on. Why? Because I know he's Lord Almighty and he's with me. 
We have to be willing to face our giants. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 34, but David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion and a bear comes to steal a lamb from a flock, I go after it a club with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animals turn on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. My gosh. Okay. I have done this, but in both lions and bears, I'll do it into this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I mean, I know sometimes we read stories and we're like, oh, cool scripture. Like, he was wrestling lions and bears. This was a kid. I don't know what was in this dude's head, but this dude was a little crazy. He said, I'll rescue it from the mouth. He said, I grab it by the jaw, and he's grabbing it and beating it to death. I mean, this dude, this dude should have been in UFC. You know what I'm saying? No, you don't think so. Okay, cool. He says... I understand this, that the Lord's rescued me when I was fighting those things. I know if he's done it then, he's gonna do it now. He'll rescue me from this Philistine. And so here's what I wanna to talk to you about today very quickly as we talk about uh, continuing, uh, as we face or go up against an unimaginable opponent, we have to focus on his reputation and we have to face our giants and we have to continue to be faithful. We have to continue to be faithful. Here's what I know. David was watching the sheep. Lions and bears come, enemies of what he was doing. He could have easily said, nobody's looking. He could have easily said, nobody cares. He could have easily said, it is what it is, it happens, it happens to everybody, it's all good. But here's what he did, he didn't do that, here's what he did, he said, I'm, here's what I know. If I'm faithful when no one's watching, if I'm faithful in private, God's gonna be faithful in public. See, we oftentimes read the story of David and Goliath and we're like, man, God was so faithful to David. Man, he's a man after God's own heart. Like, wow, like I wish I could be like that. It didn't start there. David didn't wake up and say, okay, now today I'm gonna fight Goliath. No, long before that, he was fighting lions and bears in private. And so you and I, as we want to continue to see God move publicly in our lives, we want to see the blessing, we want to see the joy, we want to see the peace. Well, it starts with our relationship with him in private. It, here's the question. Are we being faithful to him when no one's looking? And I don't mean just with sin and no sin. I mean, am I willing to share my time with him? Am I willing to open the scripture with him? Oh, man, like I can't wait for God to bless me and give me my career and give me a, oh, I can't wait to be on the team or, oh, I can't wait to, to get to that place. Oh, I can't wait to get this promotion. And we're waiting all that on all that. But have we come over here and have we been faithful when no one else is watching? Because I can promise you this, God's going to bless some people in public no matter what, but I can guarantee you, if you're, if you're, if you're faithful in private, he's going to bless you in public. Right. Is this all right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would encourage you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I would encourage you. I would encourage you. Um, I would encourage you. Hear me. I would encourage you. We have become a, a, a generation, a culture that is so consumed with being seen and being watched that no one is getting alone with God and saying, hey, God, it's just about me and you. No, here's what we do. We say, God, it's about me and you, and then we gotta go post it all over the internet. Yeah. 
Everything God says doesn't have to go to someone else. It's about me and God, so here's what it is. God, I wanna be faithful when no one's watching because I know if I'm faithful when no one's watching, here's what's gonna happen. Oh my goodness, it gets me excited. I know when I start to walk out in public, all of a sudden somebody's gonna say, how'd you get that promotion? Somebody's gonna say, how'd you get that job? Somebody's gonna say, how'd you get that education? Somebody's gonna say, how'd you get that car? Somebody's gonna say, hey, how do you have the joy? How do you get away from, how'd you remove the depression? It's because I was faithful in private, so God, God bless me in public. Is this all right? I mean, this should get you hyped. If it don't, it should. I want to encourage you. We talk about the Lord of hosts and we talk about the Lord Almighty and we talk about him, us facing these giants and we talk about unimaginable opponents. But here's what it starts with. It starts with us just saying, God, me and you. Let my relationship with you in private overflow in public. I don't want it to be the other way around. I don't want it to come to church and then we go to church and I'm the, I'm the Christian. I feel good. And yeah, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Me. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and then I get in private and I'm so consumed with self I don't even think about Jesus. I want it to be I'm in private and Jesus consumes my private life. So now when I step out in public, I don't have to be like me and Jesus. You see Jesus. Man, this is good stuff. Man, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm preaching to myself. He's the Lord of hosts. It starts with me saying, I want to be faithful. Very quickly, as we continue on in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 40, it says, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag, then armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but the, the, the number five in the biblical context is the, the number for grace. Here's what I love about David. He could have picked up one stone. He only needed one. He only needed one. It was one stone. He was like, uh, uh, gone. See ya. He could have picked up two stones and said, just in case I missed the first one, you know, my accuracy's a little off. He could have said three. He could have said six. He should have, could have said 12. He picked five. I believe this. And again, nothing in the scripture is, is, is unintentional. I believe this is intentional for God to show us a picture of us remaining in his grace. Remaining in his grace. You want to really face the unimaginable opponents in your life remain in his grace. What does that mean? What are you talking about remaining? What is that even? What are you talking? How's it? Here's what it means. It means I understand God gives me grace for every season of my life. I love this. Oh my goodness, I love this. David takes the stones and he puts them in his bag as a sign of I'm carrying your grace with me. See, everywhere we go, I want to carry the grace of God in my life. And so here's what happens. Now, God gives me the grace for the season that I'm walking in. The opponent of, of tragedy, as horrible as it is, here's what happens. God gives me a grace for that. Uh, an opponent of something that I'm walking through in my life. God gives me, why? Because I'm walking and remaining in his grace. And John chapter 15, very quickly in verse four, it says, remain in me and I am remaining in you. This is Jesus talking. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, I'm the branches. You're the, I'm, the, you're the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches, sorry. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He's given us a picture of that because he wants us to see the connection point. The, as, the, as the vine is connected to the branches, the branches remain connected to the branch and to the vine, excuse me, and here's what happens. Fruit begins to happen in the person, in, in the vine, in the branch's life. I can't even talk today, in the branch's life. It's the same thing with you and I. As we remain in Christ, as we remain in his grace, we start to see the fruit of the victories and the things that we need. The unimaginable opponents in our lives begin to fall down and we start to notice, okay, God's doing something. Why? Because I'm just remaining in him. Because in the end, it's not my battle, it's his battle. And when it's his battle, I'll win every time. Remain in his grace. Lastly, as we close today, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Defied, excuse me. If we're really going to face the unimaginable opponents with the Lord of hosts, we have to focus on his reputation. We have to face our giants. We have to be faithful. We have to remain in his grace. And then lastly, we have to remember that he's God almighty. We have to remember that he's God almighty. He's God almighty. See, David, he did all these things, but then he was reminding, I believe that he was letting Goliath know, but then also reminding himself, himself, I'm coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is on my side. And here's who the Lord of hosts is. He's God almighty. He's mighty over all. There's nothing and no one that can stand up against the God that is with me and for me. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in our circumstance of our life and our situation or seeing the opponent that we're facing and it seems so big, the giant seems so large that we can forget just how big God is. Like, and I know like we serve a big God, like it's such a like cliche thing to say, but we serve a God that is bigger and greater than anything we could ever even imagine. We couldn't imagine is the, the bigness and the greatness of the God that we serve. I was looking up some, some statistics this week just for the sake of just kind of helping you out and helping me out. You know, in Tallahassee, there's close to 200,000 people that call Tallahassee home. 200,000 people, and here's what's cool about that. There's 200,000 people. Think about it. If you were in a crowd of 200,000 people, that would be a lot of people. There's not even arenas really that fit that many people in our country. If 200,000 people were together in just our small city, 200,000 people, and here's what's cool. God knows every single one of us by name. 200,000 people, and he knows exactly where you live. He knows your address, and not because he's like stalking you like he's a weird God. That's not who he is. He does it because, one, he loves you, but, two, it's because he's God Almighty. Then you go into small city of Tallahassee and to the state of Florida, and the state of Florida has 21.6 million people. These are stats that were online, so you can trust them. <laughs> 200,000 people in our city 
then you go into just our small state in our very large country. And there's 21 million plus people in this, just this state. And here's what's crazy. He's such a big, great God. He's, he knows us by name. He knows where we live. He knows the needs of our heart. He knows our sorrows. He sees our tears. He's the God Almighty. Then you go into our actual country. It's not just our small city of 200,000 people in our state of 21 million people, but then you go into our country, and there's 331 million people in this country. 331, people, 331 million people in this country. And here's what's crazy. He knows each one of us by name. He knows every American and every person that lives in America. He knows them by name. He knows, not only does he know them by name, I'll go a little step further, which is crazy. The Bible says he knows the hair, the number of hairs on our heads. 330 million people. He knows the number of hairs. For some of us, that's a lot. For some of us, that ain't too many. But here's what I know. Could you imagine how many hairs that is? And he knows every one of them. Why? Because he's God Almighty. He's the Lord of hosts. He's mighty over all. You have our small city of 200,000 people and our state of 21 million people. Then you have our country of about 331 mil, 1 million people. Then you have our earth. And on this earth, there's this, the, the, the statistics say there's about 7.9 7 billion people on this planet. 7.9 billion people. Here's what's crazy. 7.9 billion people. And he knows every single one of us by name. He knows where every single one of us lives. He knows exactly where we are and he knows exactly what we're walking through. And he sees us and he knows us and he knows our heart. He knows and he hears us. Why? He's God Almighty. Here's what's crazy. This is mind-blowing to me that he's a God that knows 7.9 billion people's names because he's Lord Almighty. And again, we can sometimes get so caught up in our small little circumstance of what we're walking through. And I'm not downplaying it, saying it's not small, but here's what I know. It's small compared to the God we serve. Why? Because he's a God that is so big, you know, 7.9 billion people. And yet he still is willing to say, God, I want to be personal with every single one of them. That's our planet that we call Earth. In our solar system, there's eight planets. I'm hoping I'm not teaching you anything new here. <laughs> we are the fifth in line of sizes of planet in our solar system. There are four other planets that are bigger that he created than this earth. And here's what's crazy. He knows every single one of us by name. He knows every single one of us on this earth. He knows every single one of us and everything we're walking through. Why? Because even though there are planets bigger out there, he said this, I want to be a God that is almighty, but not just almighty. I want to be a God that's personal. Why? Because he's a God that cares for us. And he wants us to know we can get caught up in our circumstances, but he's so much bigger than our circumstance. Here's what's crazy. Our solar system is about eight planets. And here's what's crazy. In our solar system, we're in a galaxy. The galaxy is called the... Uh, Galaxy called the Milky Way. I wrote, I, I had to write this down because I didn't know this, but they say in the galaxy Milky Way, there are between 100 and 400 billion planets. Billion planets. And here's what's crazy. He knows each one of us by name. 
He knows what we're walking through. He knows our circumstances. He He knows our fears. He sees our tears. He hears our cries. And a galaxy of between 100, let's just say 200 for the sake of the, for, the, for the conversation, of 200 billion planets. He knows us by name. They say if you look at the Milky Way, you've probably seen it, that if you look at the Milky Way in a picture, that Earth in the solar system, not just Earth, the solar system that we live in is so small that you can't even see it as a dot compared to the Milky Way. And yet here's what's crazy. He knows us by name. We can get so caught up in our circumstance and our situation against this opponent of a nine-foot giant. David knew, no, 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 this opponent's nine feet tall. I got a God that knows 200 billion planets because he created them. Here's what's crazy. Let's go a step further. We serve God Almighty. He's literally the God Almighty. We live in a city of 200,000 people in a state of 21 million people in a, in a country of 331 million people with a, with a country, I mean, with a globe of 7.9 billion people. We live in a solar system of eight planets, and then we live in a galaxy of, of the solar system lives in a galaxy of over 200 billion planets. But then they say right now, as far as they can go, they can't go far enough out, but as far as they can go in the, in the universe, that there are over two, between 100 and 200 billion galaxies. Our one galaxy has 200 billion p- uh, planets. They say as far as they can see right now, they can't go far enough out because they can't see as far as the universe goes. But as of now, there are between 100 and 200 billion galaxies that all hold about the same amount of planets in each one of them. They say, statistically, they say it's 23, it's, it's, it's a one and 23 zeros of how many people. I don't even know what that is. But that's the number of planets in the universe that they have seen so far. And they'll tell you, if you look it up, they say, and it keeps growing. Why? Because we serve a God in a, in, a, in a galaxy, in a globe, in a universe that is so big that man can't even figure it out and see it all of billions and trillions and trillions of planets. We serve a God that is so great and so big that he still knows each one of us by name. Name. Here's what I know. That makes this come to conclude. My conclusion is this. Now, when I face my giant, that's not the unimaginable opponent. I now know the God that I serve is the unimaginable opponent against the giants that I face. Why? Because I serve a God of this universe. And here's what's crazy. I'm going to close. I promise I've said it 20 times, but I'm going to close. Watch this. In Psalm chapter 147, he determines the number of the stars. And he calls them each by name. Not only does he know all the billions of galaxies and all the billions of planets, not only does he know this, he knows every one of their names. And then yet, for some crazy reason, he's a God that loves us so much. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord Almighty. That he literally allows us to live on this planet, to be in relationship with him who has all power over all things, of Lord of all things, that now we can come to him with the giants that we have. And here's what he does. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for you. 
I'm going to fight for you. The giant that you're facing, I promise you, isn't real big. How do I know that? Because we are in a universe of, of planets that are so much bigger, but yet because of the God we serve and the almightiness of who he is, he can defeat every giant we face. All we have to do is say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. Oh my gosh, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you. Oh, this Goliath is so big and oh, I'm so small and I only got, only got five stones and I don't, I don't have the spear and I don't, have, I don't have the javelin. I'm not equipped for this and I don't know how this is going to happen. This has never happened to me before. Here's what I know. None of that matters when you got the Lord of hosts on your side. Can, can anybody else just get excited just for two seconds, please? I mean, I'm a little excited. If this, is your if this is your first time, I just want you to know I get excited about God. I can't really apologize about that because I think we should be excited about God. I mean, you don't have to get as excited as me because I get pretty crazy, but I get hyped. But here's what I know. I want to encourage you. Oh, my goodness. I want to encourage you. Whatever opponent you're facing in your life, we serve a bigger God. And not only do we serve a bigger God, it's not just he can, he desires to. He's a God of compassion and of love, and he desires to fight for us. See, God is not a coach. God's in the ring, and he's battling for you and I. And so I encourage you, put your trust, your hope in him, because he is the Lord Almighty.